afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah. Same song. Different song, same effect. <laughs> I get too excited. Too excited. Goosebumps. I know, man. Come on. Let's get it going. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Empire 161, your show for everything New York Yankees, MLB, and now Star Wars slash Mandalorian talk. My name is Mr. Tim Tabala. Next to me is my co-host, Mr. Ed Kamers. Ed, what is going on the past few weeks? What is up, man? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks off there, but uh, a lot going on. Got a, we had a World Series. We had Halloween. I mean, we hope you're champion. That yeah, that, that's, not, that's not named the race. That's not named the race. Very yeah. happy. <laughs> and most importantly, not named the Astros. Even no, that's more even more important than the race. That is, yeah, that's, that's way more important than that. And um, we also have a, a special guest that will be popping up in and out throughout the evening. Oh, yeah. The child. <laughs> The child is here. He doesn't. He's not much of a talker. No, but he's gonna show. He's, he's gonna pop up every now and then. He does. But he's gonna pop up every now and then just to make sure that we keep him on the straight and narrow. Um. All right. So let's get this thing started. We got a Giants game coming on tonight. We got Empire Strikes Back on the TV right now, which is seems like it's always on now. Oh yeah. Let, I mean, let's jump into the 2020 MLB season. Right. Like I said, we had ourselves a World Series champion, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Finally getting over that hump. I have to say their first title in 32 years. 32? 32. Yeah, 88. Yeah. All right, so uh, what did you think of the series? How would you like the series? I thought it was actually a really, really entertaining series, honestly. I mean, I, I did watch a majority of it. Um, you know, I'm not going to act like it was locked in on every pitch, like normally if the Yankees were involved. But, I mean, I'm a baseball fan, so I'm in. Uh, I thought it was a well-played series. It was it was pretty exciting. Um, yes, I was cheering for the Dodgers. Um, so happy to see that ending. And, uh, you know, we got to see analytics pop its rear and ugly head in the game six uh, of the series in the sixth inning when Kevin Cash decided to take out Blake Snell uh, after giving up only his second hit of the game uh, when Mookie Best was coming up. Um yeah, who he struck out Mookie Betts twice earlier in the game, and Betts doesn't typically crush lefties that much for as good a player he is. Uh, so I'm not really sure what numbers they had to look at. I mean, I'm not going to lie, we're fans, so I'm sure they have numbers that are way more than we, we ever see. But Jesus, man, like, that was ridiculous. I mean, how? Like, why? Like, you got to trust your eyes, man, at some point. I mean, the dude was mowing people down. After the game, they had players coming out left and right saying, man, thank God they took out Snell. I mean, they were relieved. That alone got their confidence off of like, man, when, when, you're a, when your team's getting mowed down by one guy, you'll see anybody come in. Who cares who it is, you know? And, and Nick Anderson's been pretty rocky throughout the playoffs, and that's who he goes to. That's what the analytics dictated he goes to. And they paid for it. They, they paid for it severely, and – that's going to be the head scratcher. That's going to always be what everyone remembers about this World Series, you know. Well, we, we've had the personal experience of the analytics with yeah. Aaron Boone making a lot of really weird choices in our playoff <laughs> run. Uh, now, a lot, a lot of pro, pros are coming out. A lot of announcers are they're they're denouncing the analytic play. Yeah. Do you think we'll see a change anytime soon, or you think it's still going to go in the analytic direction? Uh, I mean, I th well, so, all right. So this is the thing. Like, analytics are – they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. And I think people need to understand what analytics are. I mean, they're just advanced data of what people are – they're just breaking it down even further of what players are doing. You know, that's why you see, like, shifts in the outfield but not in the infield and stuff like that. It's just using what's there. Now, the thing, though, like what you're referring to, is simply does that make every decision? Do you just look at a spreadsheet and numbers that were handed down to you by your analytic department and make – every single move based on that you can't you should look at the data use it but it doesn't mean you have to have every move right there that's the perfect example and i'm glad it came center front and center stage in the world series in a big moment that's when you throw the numbers out the window and you're like this dude is on 
let it roll. Um, I don't know, honestly. I, I think some organizations need to start understanding how that they're using these analytics. Like, it can't be every single moment of every single series of every single time. You know, you kind of just got to say, all right, I got it. I know what the numbers say, but my eyes are telling me what I'm seeing. My starting pitcher is is on fire right now. I got to let it go and, and see what happens. That's what it is. So it's not like, you know, I you can't say that it's all bad. More information is always good, but you need to trust your eyes sometimes. And that was the prime example. And as far as the game, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Well, Blake Snell said it best. He said it's the third time through the lineup coming up, and they're going to make adjustments. But guess what? I can make adjustments too. Yes. And I was like, you're 100% right. And this is the whole thing. Why why pull him when he can make just as big an adjustment as the hitters do? Exactly. why it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to pull him out. And down by a a game, game says, you let that guy go. You let him go until he can't go no more. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't. I don't understand what's going on with that either. And, and look at it this way: you're what you're doing in that situation is you're banking on. And I know the Rays' strength is their bullpen. It's what got them there. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like that wasn't it. But you're expecting this guy, whoever you bring in out of the bullpen, to be just as sharp as the guy you already have in. Like, what sense does that make? How sharp is Nick Anderson going to be than Blake Snell? He, you can't get any better than that. And, you, and I get it. The third time through the order, batting averages jump up, and especially with Blake Snell, it has been his history. But that's when you can acknowledge the numbers, acknowledge the data, but be like, listen, my eyes, I got to trust what I'm watching right now. And you're right. Snell can make his adjustments. And Snell was ahead of them the whole game. So let him roll. And guess what? If it happens, if it doesn't work, you can be justified also on why you left him in. Anyone watching that game can understand why you left him in. And it, it blew up in their faces. So I would I would like to think that managers going forward and organizations going forward will be like, you know something? Here is the data. We get it. But you're not going to lose your job over not making a move that the numbers say you must make. You know, because numbers don't account things like, hey, pressure of the World Series, pressure of the moment. You know, what's going on at that moment? This guy, I know it says a guy isn't hot uh, and a pitcher isn't hot right now. And if the guy is cold, you got to take those things into account, and that's where I think you got to go with Snowman. He was obviously feeling it. So, and what was funny was I just happened to be watching the uh, that special about the Subway Series in two thousand. Mm-hmm. They didn't pull Outlier out. They let Outlier go. Like this is this yeah. is the guy who had to get us past this game, and they let him yeah. go. I mean, did it backfire? Maybe, sure, because he, but you know, we don't know what was going to happen. But that's the guy. Let him go. I mean, same thing with Pedro in in 03. Yep. He, he's the guy. He was their guy. You yep. got to let him go. Win or lose. You can't just pull him after two hits. I mean, two yeah. hits is real. What was his, what was his pitch count anyway? Was uh, he even Snell? near? Yeah, was he even near 100? No. He was at like, uh, man, I got to think late 70s, early low, low 80s. Jesus. Unless Cash was like, oh, well. Maybe we'll save him for, you know, we'll win this game and save him for tomorrow. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. But there is no tomorrow when you're Thank down you. by a game. Thank you. The there is no game. tomorrow. Yeah. No, it's the, it's the clinching game for the Dodgers. You no. can't just say, oh, maybe tomorrow we'll have to use him again. Oh, <laughs> you can't. Listen, you can't think that way. Glasnow was going to be their starter for game seven. Glasnow was available. I mean, Morton was available. Everyone's available in that situation. Yeah, everyone's so, available. It doesn't matter. It really no. doesn't matter in that, in that situation. So there's, I mean, it's a, it's just a huge blunder, and that's what everyone's going to remember about that series. And uh, as far as the yeah the repercussions going forward, I think just people need to understand that you have to balance the two. There's got to be balance, you know. Like we talk about balancing the force, balancing. When Mister Miyagi was saying, "A karate kid, you need balance in everything. Baseball, you need balance. Take the data, but also trust what you're watching, man." And that was that was just, I mean, it's. It, it sucks for them, but whatever. We both wanted to see the Dodgers win, so we got what we wanted in the end. But that was just crazy, man. But yeah, yeah. And then what? What, what did you think of uh, <laughs> Justin Turner? <laughs> I think you. I think you already know. That was <laughs> come on. That's just ridiculous, man. It, it's ridiculous on levels where how that. All right, his sample first tested inconclusive, right? So maybe they should have been like, hey, maybe we should sit him that game, or maybe you should like just wait to see what happens. But then 
They tested it again, and he tested positive. By the seventh inning, they got him out of the game. All right, so you get him out of the game, but then he's breaks out of isolation, somehow gets through all security. He can't be stopped, according to baseball. You know? Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, well, Frankie saw the thing I posted on our, our page as well. I'm hoping he did about a, a game we're at on uh, Athletic Sock Night in 1993 where, you know, Tartable, Stanley, and Mattingly all went deep and we threw socks onto the field. Someone actually posted that on Twitter. I'm like, yes, I remember this crap. Um, but no, um, back, back to what we were talking about though. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how security doesn't stop Turner from getting back on the field. I mean, if you know you're positive, like, come on, dude, I know it's, I know it sucks that you can't celebrate with your team, but you know, it sucks even more if you start spreading it all over the place. And the thing was Dave Roberts is seen in the pictures next to him. And Dave Roberts just dealt with cancer a couple of years ago. I mean, come on, man. Like, I don't know. And at least wear the mask. If you're going to have to run out there like an asshole, wear the mask. Yes, wear it. I'm there many of them. You don't want to be the pitcher with the mask on? Tough shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. We all saw your face now. It's a huge freaking red beard, man. We, we, we get it. I don't know. It just That was that was disappointing. And I, I know baseball is currently in, launching an investigation into this. He should be hit with something pretty severe. Whether people get infected or not from this, if nothing comes of it, the guy should see some sort of as a suspension. I know he's a free agent now, but whatever it is, I, I don't know. I don't know how severe it should be, but he, he's got to see something next year. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, that, yeah, I, I enjoyed the World Series. I'm glad the Dodgers won. I've been waiting a long time for that, too. Um, they are my, well, I don't call them my second team, but, you know, they were, you know, sentimental favorite because of my pops and everything. So I am very happy they won. Uh, so now let's move on. So the offseason. Let's see hold what on, kind of on, thing. We got, we got oh. one more thing, though. We got one more baseball thing. Go, yes, go, go, one go. more baseball thing. The awesomeness of John Lester dropping $47,000 on beer over this past weekend in Chicago over four different bars. Um, That's crazy. So it's pretty awesome about this, though, besides the fact that – so apparently out of the forty-seven grand, thirty-one. $31,082.63 were on Miller Lights specifically. So I don't know if he has some sort of deal with them or not, but apparently that's the case. And sixteen grand was the gratuity. So he put a 34% tip on his gratuity total. He wore number 34 with the, with the Cubs. And also he tweeted this out today, which is the four-year anniversary of the Cubbies breaking the uh, – breaking the, the – um, the curse, their curse yeah. a couple of years of their curse against the Indians in the World Series. So, uh, is he yeah, retiring? Is that why he did it? Because he's retiring, or was just no, the anniversary? No, well, the Cubs declined his option for 25 million going into this season, but supposedly, like, they might reach an agreement where he might come back for less. But you know, at his age and everything, they didn't want to like spend 25 yeah. million dollars. They had a way to get out of it. So, I wouldn't yeah, be shocked right. if they, re yeah, he seems like he wants to be there. It seems like they'd like to have him back just. Not at you know, not at twenty five million dollars. So, um, yeah. So I thought that was pretty awesome uh, of John Lester over the weekend. I know he's a former Red Sox and everything, but you know the dude did battle testicular cancer to come back. So you know you got to respect him for that. Hey, look, Bob Uecker said it best in in Major League Two. It's amazing what a new uniform can do for somebody. It's true. Just like just like Mookie, just like Mookie Betts. I'm glad the yep. guy won. <laughs> I'm glad the guy had success. I'm glad guy played his balls off. So I'm yeah. glad he had uh, he got another World Series ring. As long as it's not out of the uniform that he won one in, I'm I'm perfectly happy with that now. Yeah, me and Em's watching the World Series. We, we admitted it. We're like, man, thank God he's off the Red Sox. We can actually appreciate watching him play ball now. Yeah, uh, we can actually enjoy a game. You know, it's like, all right, fine. Exactly. I'm like that. <laughs> beast. I mean, we're not that we didn't know that, but I mean, now you can actually like smile when he's like doing awesome shit. Exactly. So. All right, so let's move on to the uh, possible, well, current moves, possible moves, uh, any kind of move that hopefully the Yankees will make in this upcoming season. And maybe, I don't know if we have any really, because it really hasn't really heard anything yet. We haven't heard any kind of rumors or anything yet except for maybe Steve Cohen spending uh, a lot of money this year. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah, I mean, he, didn't, he didn't lose any money this year, so he might be he might come out with that checkbook and be like, I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna take you. You know, you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, well, as far as the Steve Cohen stuff, I mean, you know, we'll see. Free agency technically started uh yesterday, 
but everyone's expecting the free agent market for baseball to go pretty slow as a lot of teams did lose a lot of money and also waiting to see how it develops. So I think we'll wait and see how that goes. It would be silly for Cohen right now to start signing people because you got to see what the market says. Just because Riamuto says he wants X, Y, and Z, you'd be like, all right, let's, let's see what else you got, and then we can we can make our decision then. Um, well, that's why I figured a guy like you said, a guy like Cohen didn't lose any money. Yeah. So he might just say, Riamuto, that's how much you want? All right, I'm going to give you that. Yeah. Trevor Barrow wants what? All right, I'm going to throw you that too because I'm, I'm a billionaire and I didn't lose any money this past season. So you just never know. And, of course, that always could backfire. Or it could help them, you know, be legitimate again in, the, in Major League Baseball. Hello? Where'd you go? Oh, I seem to have lost my co-host. <laughs> Testing one, two. Ted, it looks like right now. Are you back? Are you yeah, back? There you go. Okay. I, I'm here. I can see you. Okay, yeah, I couldn't hear you. You were frozen. Oh, okay. All right, Maybe I think we're good. Um, this guy using the force. The magic handy thing. <laughs> that's it. I think that's the magic handy thing going. That's why. He'll be back later. Um, yeah, so like I said, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, what about some Yankee moves that were made actually over the past couple days? All right, so uh, Yanks went ahead and declined uh, the 2021 options for both J.A. Happ and, uh, and Brett Gardner. Uh, Gardner will get a $2.5 million buyout as that was part of his deal, uh, but there was no buyout on, on Hap's deal, so they're completely free of, of Hap, though. Um, like we were talking about with John Lester, though, it wouldn't be completely surprising to see the Yanks bring Gardner back on another one-year deal at less than $10 million. But I'm, I, I think, I've, as I've said previously, though, I don't know about that just because I kind of think Talkman can be that fourth outfielder for them, so I don't think they necessarily need five outfielders again. But we'll see. You know, the injury history with, with, with Judge and Hicks might think that, you know, that might lean them in the way of saying that, hey, maybe we do need to continue going with five outfielders. Uh, but just $10 million just seemed like it was a bit steep uh, for him at this point. Yeah, that uh, age, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Yankees also extended the qualifying offer of $18.9 million to DJ LeMahieu. On a one-year deal, um, he's expected to decline that. I would be pretty shocked if he took that because he's definitely going to get multiple-year offers from a uh, you know a couple of teams. So, but they got to do their due diligence because what that does for the Yanks, though, is that if DJ does choose to sign elsewhere, there is a draft pick attached to him now. And over the last you know five ten years, you know draft picks have actually become pretty important in baseball. So teams might think twice about signing DJ now. Like they listen, we don't want to lose a draft pick on top of paying him you know, mm-hmm. X amount of, of money over X years. So that's something that's important, though. But I would still not expect the uh, DJ to accept that offer. Um, Paxson and Tanaka did not receive qualifying offers. Uh, the belief was that Paxson would actually accept the offer, which they, they did not want in that case uh, with his injury history. So I'm pretty sure they're done with him. Uh, as far as Tanaka goes, why they wouldn't do that, I think they also didn't want to have him take that one-year offer and pay him at that because he was going to get the $18.9 million. That leads me to believe that the Yanks think that, you know, both sides seem like they do want to continue, but at less money per year, that he might even get something like twelve or $13 million a year, which is a big, you know, deduction from what he was getting because Tanaka was getting, like, top starting pitching salary over his first uh, seven years. Um, as much as Tanaka has pitched well for the Yanks and he's been really solid for them, that that price tag seems like that would be a bit high, though, for him. So hopefully he does remain and they can work something out with Tanaka, maybe in a three-, four-year deal. There were some things floating out there, too, that Tanaka might be getting some crazy offers to return back to Japan. Really? Yeah, exactly, which, I mean, that would be out of the Yankees' hands if he just decided randomly he wanted to go back. But we'll see, though, <laughs> There's also been stuff uh, tweeted out there of Tanaka and his wife, Nicole, and their wife, like out at sushi dinner and stuff like that. So apparently, you know, they're still all buddies and friends and hanging around there. So I don't know, make that what you want out of it. But I mean, made that believes that he's still, you know, he's pretty tight with these guys and he does want to stay. So I, I would like to personally see Tanaka stay. They only have three uh, starters on the contract right now for next season. He needs to be that four. David Garcia. Uh, 
fishing is, is definitely yeah. me. Looks like Tim is up. Oh, Tim is back. Um, and the next thing, uh, Yankees did pick up the two-year option of Zach Britton's contract. There was a whole complicated thing with, you know, what the Yankees decided to do. If they turned down his two-year option, then they could still get him back on a one-year option. It was possible. There was this whole thing, but the Yankees ended that quick. They picked up his option for two years. So now he's signed through 2022 uh, with the total contract is worth $27 million. Uh, next year, he'll be on, on the books for 13 million and then in 2022 he'll be on the books of 14. I mean he's arguably been their best reliever since he's joined the team so I mean we thought that was a little right the Yankees, a guy who can close who usually sets up for Chapman as well. So real happy to see Zach Britton is definitely going to be in the fold for a bit. Uh, and in the news of when water is wet, John Carlos Stanton officially opted into his the final seven years and 218 million dollars of his contract. So for those who are somehow waiting, I know there are a lot of fans who are still, you know, kind of cold on Stanton, even though the guy was their best hitter in the in the postseason run this year by far. Um, yeah, I think it just showed you another – reminded you of what he can do when healthy. He is being when healthy. So obviously he was not going to opt out of that contract. That would have been kind of crazy on his part. Uh, last piece of Yankee news is Gary Sanchez, Miguel Andujar, and Domingo Herman will be playing in the Dominican Winter League for Todos del Este this upcoming winter. So Sanchez looks like he'll be in the Yanks' plans moving forward, even though Cashman wasn't, like, totally sold on that when he was asked about it after the season. He was more of like, let's see what happens. I think they're lighting a fire under Gary's ass to say, listen, this is your last shot. Uh, him and Higashioka can actually have a battle in spring training to see who will be the starting catcher. My guess is you're going to see the same two return back. Maybe Higgy gets more playing time next year. We'll see. Or maybe Gary returns to form and starts bashing the ball like the Gary of old. Uh, Miguel Andujar could definitely use the reps over the winter to try to get himself back on fact. Uh, I know we talked about him in a lot of trade, you know, potential trade rumors and things like that, but he's got to get his stock up. So on the Yankees' part, they're like, hey, what are we really going to get for Andujar? Maybe if he crushes it during winter ball, somebody will see something there. They can get something back in return for him. Or he's in the same boat next year and see what happens with him. And I know Hal Steinbrenner spoke on um, Domingo Herman saying that they're going to, you know, really need to look into him based on what happened with the, you know, the charges he faced and why he was suspended this past season. Um, so they'll look into that. And Hal Steinbrenner wants to know that, that Herman has definitely turned his life around and cleaned things up. So before they let him on the mound for the Yankees again, and hopefully he can, you know, maybe he does get a second chance for uh, the things that he had done and hopefully he can and, and get things going, man. The kid's a 26 year old pitcher who's got, you know, an electric arm and maybe he gets things going. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. What about Severino? He's not due back beginning of the year, right? In the middle of the year. Yeah, June or July. He's yeah, he's the he would be the fourth starter that Yankees do have under contract, but he's coming back from TJ surgery, so he won't be back until the middle of the season. And then also, a lot of times when a pitcher does come back, at this point, you normally not going to see the real Luis Severino until 2022. You know, he'll still need time to recover, and he won't be as sharp as he normally would be. So I think that's what the Yankees are probably you'll see them invest in starting pitching. And you know Severino's part of that. We'll see what happens, but I think they'll they'll definitely invest this over the offseason. Like I said, who's out there? There's nobody out there. Free um, agent wise. Well, well, to tell you the truth, there there is a couple of interesting situations. I mean, Trevor Bauer's the name on everyone's top list to see what happens. He's going to cost a lot, you know, annually. But apparently, he doesn't really want a long term deal, which is kind of weird. But he is a weird dude. Um, he would be great for the Yanks if he they can sign him and get Tanaka back, and Tanaka could be your three and Barrett could be your number two. You know that would be a pretty formidable rotation. I would love to see that. Uh, but if they can't go after Bauer, uh, Corey Kluber got his um, got his uh, option declined. He's the guy who maybe the Yanks could get for cheap, who was really good at, at not too long ago. So maybe that's a guy they can go for for less than Bauer. Uh, also, Charlie Morton of the Tampa Bay Rays is also out there. He's a little bit older, but on a short-term deal for less than Bauer, he's got awesome big-game pitcher playoff experience. So he's a guy that they also could take a look at too. So there's a couple of options out there. I mean, but nothing, you know, not many two like true superstars. But that, those are guys I think the Yanks could look at though. 
No, let's hope. Let's hope and pray. Yeah, because we need something. We need something big to happen. No more of this ALCS crap or early <laughs> exiting. I can't do it no more. All right, so that's all our baseball stuff we got, huh? Yep. Maybe until next year, even who knows? We might pop up in once free agent starts. We might pop up with another go around. But now we move on to the Star Wars half of this show, <laughs> and we will discuss season two, episode one, chapter nine of the Mandalorian, which is called The Marshal. Ed, before we even go, what do you think of the episode off right off the bat? Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. We're talking spoilers. spoilers. Huge right spoilers. There. Spoiler. So if you, if you, it's not our fault if we give away crap. So I says it right there on the bottom. So, uh, yeah, well, overall, what do you think of the of the episode? Oh, I loved it. Honestly, I thought it was, it was pretty awesome. Action-packed episode. Uh some nice and interesting Easter eggs that were thrown peppered throughout. Um, you know, it, it may, it may, I mean, we, we were texting after I watched it on, on Friday afternoon. So uh, I even confirmed some stuff that we, that we were, we were chatting about. Uh, I, I thought it was great. It was a good way to start off the season, uh, set up some potentially big things, interesting things moving forward. Um, yeah. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, I thought was fantastic as, you know, the marshal, uh, you know, Cobb Vanth. So that was a new character we got to see. Um, you want to lead the way with uh, whose armor he was wearing when we got oh, to see yeah. him? Well, well, let's let you know what. Let's start right at the beginning. Okay. We'll start right at the beginning with the Mandalorian and the child. I am not calling him Baby Yoda because that's not his name. With the child, uh, they arrive on his. On, they, have, they haven't named the planet yet, but they yeah. end up in this really seedy looking. Fight Club, Underground Fight Club with, again, Easter egg number one, you got two Gamorreans in the ring fighting. Gamorreans are the guards from Jabba's Palace and Return of the Jedi, which I thought was awesome. I love mm -hmm. seeing the old, uh, you know, the old species coming back. <coughs> um, so Mando, I'm going to call him Mando. I'm not going to call him the Jarn, whatever the hell he goes. I like to call him a Mando. Everyone else calls him that, so. Uh, but yeah, he sits down with another special guest star, Easter egg, John Leguizamo. Mm -hmm. Which is fantastic. He plays a he's, he plays a guy named Gore Koresh, and he's uh, he's called an Abyssian. That's his species, and uh, he was also a nod. That was a nod to uh, Episode Four in the Cantina. There was one of those in that scene. Again, this show is this show is fan service without shoving it down your throat. This is yeah, fan service without like it's not like. And I'm, I'm knocking it. I am episode nine fan service. This is like fun <laughs> fan service. This is fan service that you really, really enjoy, especially when you start picking up all this stuff. Um, but yeah, he was in a busy and, and the reason he really, he supposedly hunted Mandalorians for their best car. He was a best car fanatic, which yeah. you see, which leads to him trying to kill the Mandalorian, which, you know, ain't going to happen. Oh no. What, dude, what I thought was pretty awesome, especially in that opening scene, and I think throughout was the fact that the the show really is what John Favreau said that he felt the show what he wanted it to be. Leading up to it is like a gunslinger, you know, western type thing strolling into like places, super badass. Even the whole like theme that kicks in whenever Mando is about to kick some ass, or sometimes when he's just even on the screen. Uh, that was a perfect example of that. Well, I mean, look, look when he walk when he drives and he pulls. Well, we're getting a little ahead of where we. He rolls into Mos Pego on the uh, speeder bike. That's mm -hmm. a western. Yeah, he's standing at the bar. The sheriff walks in. That's a western. Yeah, that's all it is. This shows a western in space, and it's fantastic. It's Absolutely, that's the way they do everything. <clears throat> um. So anyway, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, what was his name? Gore Koresh ends up upside down in a light pole in the alleyway, trying to betray the Mando after he tells him. That there's a Mandalorian on the planet Tatooine. Tatooine is the center of this galaxy. I don't care what anybody says. It always uh, goes back to Tatooine. It always, always goes back to Tatooine. Always. So, by the so way, he, you got the name of what the hell ate him? Yeah. Well, see, I don't know if if they are. Wait, I have it written down here somewhere because I forgot the name of them. Um. Yeah. It looked it? like he was going to get devoured by like if it was new. If, if the Mandalorian from, was setting, they're from the Rebels or Clone Wars. Okay, I think they're called Crimnox. I think they're called. I had it written down somewhere too, but yeah, yeah. That, that's basically what they were. Yeah, they look like a bunch of little wolf dogs coming out to eat his ass. 
I was going to say, if the Mandalorian was set in New York City, I'd be like, man, he just got caught in a subway and got eaten by a bunch of rats. But that, that, was, that was pretty vicious, man. Or toxic waste at midnight, one or the other. Well, yeah, exactly, because, you know, that <laughs> happens, you know. <laughs> hey, we're, we're just full of toxic waste here. So, exactly. uh, yeah, man, so it was off to a great start, and I was already I – sh- I watched the show at 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I don't know if it was because I knew the show was coming on at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> but it had, I had me wide awake at three a.m. So I'll be, yeah, I'm watching the show anyway. Now, now they head off to Tatooine, then they return to Amy Sedaris's character, Pessy Motto, who was very funny. I'm not, I'm not an Amy Sedaris person, but she mm-hmm. was she was very funny in the, in the season one. She has a big thing for the child. She uh, loves taking care of him. She has a little affection for him. Yeah. And the other Easter eggs now popping up. You got the pit droids, obviously from episode one. From the pod race, which I know Eddie loves the pod race. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and not only that, but she was working on a pod race, on a pod racer. Yeah. If you look carefully, she was working on an engine. I got to put you down for a second. Um, yeah, she was working on an engine for a pod racer, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, my my yeah. favorite thing about pod racing or including pod racing is that damn N64 game, which I was all about. And I know there yeah. was a... Uh, I, I know that was the that was Easter egg that was thrown into it because it was also one that was like I think that was the one of the pod races you could pick in that video game that was there. So that's that that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, anyway, yeah, she so she tells him about the city of Moss Pelago, which we've never heard of before. Uh, kind of like a little wiped out town that was before the war of the Empire. And she made a good appeal that ever since the war, she won't even leave the city. That it's, it's a no man's land. So Tatooine has become even worse of a place than it was before, which is kind of shocking when you really think about it. Um, so he tells about Moss Pelgo where there could possibly be a Mandalorian out there doing his business. But my favorite part was when she shows him the map. She says, let me, let me show you the map. First of all, she mentions Moss Eisley. She yep. mentions Moss Aspa. Moss Aspa is where Anakin's from. So right there, you got another shout out. But here mm-hmm. comes the droid. R5-D4, famous from episode four as the droid that blew his motivator. And uh, Luke said, get this piece of garbage out of here. Got R2-D2 instead. And the whole universe was changed for the better. Well, yes. depending, on, depending on how you look at it. We got and our MVP. Catch- exactly. Did you catch R5-D4 right away? I did. Actually, I did. I was kind of like, I, and I did think to myself first, I was like, wait a second. There's something, I, I had to think for a minute. And I'm like, wait a second. Yep. That's that's who it was, but you're right. It, it ended up giving us the MVP. Otherwise, our MVP could have been R five D four. Oh, Maybe. I don't know. Has, but also, you notice they had the scorch mark around the place where the motivator blew. So I thought that was genius. Again, this is fan Pretty. service. This is genius fan service. It's not shoving it down your throat stuff. Because that's like if you didn't know it, you didn't know it. But if you know it, yeah. you love it. So yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, he finally got a little shining, a bit of a shining moment. You know, there's a book. I'll give you. I'll give you a quick, quick insight. There's a book that says R5D4 did it on purpose, blew his motivator, because R2 told him, or 3PO told him secretly, I oh, no, actually it was R2. I have to be the one that go. I have the secret plans. I have this. You have to let me go. And R5D4 blew his transmitter on purpose to let R2 go. That's just like a little. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> secret. It, it's not. It's not canon. I'm not going to throw up the canon hand. It's not canon, but it's it's a little it's a little uh, side story they have that came out in a in a book called what the hell is that book called? I don't know, but it's all from the view of every other character on on Tatooine, other than the wow. main characters. So that was a cool little nod, I thought. That's um, pretty awesome. Yes, yeah, so and I said now we get to uh, Mos Pelgo, and here we go. He rolls first of all, he rolls into town like like, like a pimp. Child on his back, and I don't know if you noticed. There's one, there's one girl looked like Princess Leia. Did you see the one girl dressed exactly like Princess Leia from Episode I Four? I did not. White gown. Not. <laughs> if you watch it again, when they're all running indoors, when he pulls in, one of them yeah. looks just like that outfit. I was like, oh, that's supposed to be like a Princess Leia nod, or wow, what? I don't know, whatever. Well, so don't forget his trip, but don't forget his trip out there where he decided he stopped and was hanging out with Tuscan Raiders and going ahead and just chilling with them. Rick actually texted me about it. He goes, wait a second. Aren't those supposed to be the bad guys? I'm like, yeah, it's based on how you look at it. You know, they're they're not they're not really they're, they're there. Bad. They're they're um, how do you what's the word you put it without offending anybody? I mean, first of all, they are human. 
Well, you don't know about yeah. the Tuscan Raiders. They're human. Well, they're the people they, that live there. <laughs> they but they live like that on purpose. And it's yeah. quite, it's kind of it's, it's really like their religion. Kind of like I just said, I don't want to start shouting out Muslims, but like you know how they wear the things that cover all their whole face and everything. That's their religion. You it's have to cover like your face. Yeah, yeah, it well, is. It's not like way. Mandalorians. They wear the helmet, right? They don't take it off. That's he even said that's part of you know like our religion and stuff like that. Like the weapons. The only thing with the with the Tuscan Raiders though, that shit's painful. You got to survive that that wrap. Oh. And wrapping, and don't forget you're in the desert. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot in there. I don't care what anybody says. And then you actually learn that language. It's not like uh, they either speak that language. You learn that language quick. Or, Mando, Mando knows it. Apparently, he was all in there. Like, looks like he was having a good old time there. Yeah, hey, he 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 needs to make friends in his line of business. But yeah, I yeah. thought that was great too. I thought it was great to see the Tuscan Raiders finally get their due, mm-hmm. except for you know getting their heads chopped off by Anakin or Obi Wan scaring the crap out of them. With the crate dragon call, which is another good heart back. Yeah, that's coming. That's coming too. Yep. But like you said, now here comes Timothy Oliphant in the armor, the world's famous armor of Mister Boba Fett himself. Now I am not an Oliphant person. <coughs> I never have been. Okay, I like him. I, I dug him in this. I did. I obviously yeah. I dug him in this. There's a few things I like him, and there's a few things I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was really good as Cobb Vanth. He had that perfect arrogance. That perfect, uh, and he stood up to the Mandalorian, which was good. He's ready to fight him. Oh, he's like, Oh, we're we gonna do this right here, you know, in front of the child. And I love Mando's response. I was like, He's seen worse, and that's why you could even, even uh, he was like, Oh, okay, well, I guess, but let, let's go. And then the weak way bartender had to shout the weak way bartender too, another good species, mm-hmm. like seeing pop up every now and then. Um, <clears throat> and then the big rumbling comes, earthquake. Poor child jumps into a spittoon of all mm-hmm. things to save himself, and you find out that it's a crate dragon again. Fan service for the fans. We have never seen a crate dragon before, except for the bones and the opening of episode four when Sheep Three is walking through the sand. That's the only time we've ever seen him. But this mm-hmm. thing seems like it's the biggest crate dragon that's ever lived. This thing is a yeah. monster. Yeah, just seeing that thing really was like I, I started thinking to myself. I'm like, man, they. Not that they were like skimming on the budget of the first season, but this was like next level movie stuff that was going on. I mean, they looked really good, and and yeah, he's you know going over and terrorizing the place and everything like that, and ruining people trying to sit down and have spotchka or whatever, you know. Well, like you said though, what's what's great was you know, um, Vance stood up to the Mandalorian, made friendly, say, "I want the armor." He said, "I'm not going to give it to you." Well, then I'm going to take it from you. And, you know, he wanted that armor real bad. Hey, the funny thing is he doesn't know whose armor belongs. He just knows it's Mandalorian, which I think is great. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know how famous Boba Fett is in the world of Mandalorians because he technically, him and his father, weren't technically Mandalorians. Technically. All, right, so we, all right, so we're going to do this now. I thought we were going to save it for later. No, but technically right, but they weren't. We, no, yeah, we can get into that because we were, we were texting about this. Like, yeah. I, I think that's one of the big questions, though, is that, like, is you know was Django and and Boba Fett Mandalorian? We don't actually know that. You know, I mean, unless I'm misspeaking, we don't actually know. We know they have the armor. They got the armor somehow. Uh, maybe Django was. Does that mean Boba automatically was? Like, there's a whole stretch of time that we don't know what Boba did besides bounty hunting. That's yeah, pretty much know. all we really know. And a Sarlacc pit. That that's what we know about <laughs> Boba's time around. But and you know. It's it, there's a lot to explore there, and I would assume that's what they're going to explore the rest of the season going forward. Well, I was glad, like I said, I know we're jumping ahead, but the fact that they didn't waste any time no. to show him was was fantastic. That's why I was like, "Holy crap, they're really going to go through with this?" Because I was yeah. like, "I thought they wait, you know, the shows that wait to the middle of the season, end of the season." I can't stand that. They were like, "Nah, we're going to throw this out there right now that he's there, he's on time." I guess we're going back to Tatooine then. Oh, I, I think the next episode. Well, yeah, well, we'll get to it in the end, but I'm assuming we're going to spend some decent amount of time on Tatooine uh, during the season and more episodes. I think we kind of have to. Um, but I guess the question is, so he, the marshal also says that he purchased the armor off of Jawas, which is not surprising at all because they'll just find everything and raid everything at, as they showed again in, in season one. But where did they get it, though? You know, like, because the last we saw of Boba Fett on screen was in Jedi, 
where he was, you know, went into a Sarlacc pit, and that was the end of him. I know there's been lots of talk that he's he's out and stuff like that. He survived, but like, did he get a? I'm assuming he was separated from his armor at some point, and they just found it scattered or something like that. Like, I think there's a lot to explore. Yeah, the two obvious choices were well, the rumor has always been that he blew up the Sarlacc from the inside. Yeah, and they ended up ended up crawling out, crawled out, mm-hmm. but that uh, the armor was either he didn't think he deserved it anymore, and kind of through because what happens with with Boba Fett was, was I said I don't know what Disney retcon, I don't know what Disney wipes out what the but the, the the story that I know, yeah, that after Boba Fett escaped, he said you know he told people the worst mistake I ever made was taking Jabba's money because he because he's not supposed to sit there with Jabba Hutt as a bodyguard, he's a bounty hunter, he goes out, he does his job, he gets his money, moves on to the next thing. He said the biggest mistake he ever made was taking Jabba's money to sit there and be a glorified bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And he hated it. He hated himself for it. So he might that might be one of those things where he felt he doesn't deserve the armor anymore, and he dumped it and decided to live on Tatooine as a hermit, like like everybody else does. I to say, like, like others have done also. <laughs> so, I mean, I, the other cases, maybe it was damaged that we, we couldn't see. It was damaged beyond... You know, whatever he took it off and threw. I don't know. We, we, hopefully, we get. To, hopefully, we get to see him crawling out of that Sarlacc pit. Yeah, that's gonna be. That's gonna. It's gonna blow my mind. That's, that's like. Saying. That's like thirteen-year-old kid stuff that I've been waiting to see for, <laughs> for all this time. Yeah. So yeah, I can't. I can't wait for that at all. Do you um, think Boba Fett was a part of the guild? He the bounty hunters guild was again okay. though. From what I know, he was Disney. I don't know. I don't well, know what I'm asking go. questions. I know everything yeah. is all out in the open now. So, because I, I could tell you a thousand and one stories, but none of them probably mean anything anymore. Yeah, it's like it's like okay. literally taking all my knowledge and shitting on it. Because <laughs> I don't I don't know what's good anymore. I don't know what it means anymore. Yeah, and it sucks. But you know what are you going to do? Uh, but he was part of the guild for a while, for a long okay. time, and he right. had a lot of uh, pride in that. And <laughs> like uh, what's his like you know in Empire IG eighty eight. Remember, was on the on the Star Destroyer, yeah. And IG went after Han Solo behind his back, and he killed IG eighty eight. If you look in the the room where Chewie pulls C three O out of this IG eighty body, there, Boba Fett nice. killed him, dumped him in there, and that's like another that's more fan service, <laughs> yeah. like cool stuff that you don't find out until later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was in the guild for a while, I and mean, he definitely was a bounty hunter. We know that, yeah. So I'm pretty sure he was probably in the guild. So my whole thing is the Mando thing. I don't know. I don't know if he was because technically he's also a clone, technically. Yeah. And, and Django didn't follow any Mando rules. No, he's had his so, helmet off, right? When, from what we saw, he had his helmet off. He's strolling around and stuff like that. Like, there's no problem. Hiring other body hunters to do the job for him. You know, he like he really didn't yeah. really follow by those rules. So it's yeah, kind of like weird. They, they, did Django kill an, an actual Mandalorian take his armor? Or was that like part of the, I mean, uh, I don't know. That's all stuff that's going to have to be hopefully told on this show. But like I said, like I'm sure the way Favreau and them have been doing it, they've been hitting home runs. Yeah. So, so hopefully that's what we're going to learn. Um, so anyway, we learned that, you know, this crate Dragon is, is really messing things up for this town. And uh, Cobb Vance says, I'll give you the armor back if you help me kill this crate Dragon. And he's like, well, okay, we'll go take a look. They go out to the desert, and here we go again with the sand people with their dogs. And... Mm-hmm. uh they come up with a solution. Sand people and the town of Mos Pelgo will take on this crate dragon and there will be a little peace between the town and the town never needs help. The sand people will help them. They'll never raid them again as long as the people of Pelgo never take another shot at a Trunks Raider. So let me get the big montage fighting joining of the groups. A-team <laughs> style montage is what I was thinking exactly. of. <laughs> exactly. You got the big, like you the said, building shit. <laughs> They're building stuff. They're they're working together, all happy and stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, again, I was getting all pumped up with this. I was getting so pumped up. And said so the Tuscan Raiders too. How when they arrived in the town, how they how they arrive single file because mm-hmm. sand people write single file to hide their numbers again. Little things. It's the little things that I am loving about the show. Those little things that make you like up. Oh, he knows. Favreau knows what he's doing. Huh? And I, I, I I completely trust him in whatever he wants to do from now on. Um, anything else to add before we move on? Are you good? What was the um, that it actually made me laugh when he was Mando passes him, uh, whatever the heck that was that the Raiders wanted him to drink. Oh, the water, yeah, the whatever that the, water, the water was. is like, dude, you've been stealing their water and everything like that. What the hell? Like, don't start offending them by not drinking 
you know, whatever it is. And then they pass it to him again in the battle. Well, right He's before the up. battle, too. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought that was great. And it was just like yeah. an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, oh, and no, don't forget, Cobb. Now, I don't know if this is confirmed yet, but Cobb Van's speeder bike supposedly mm-hmm. is Anakin's pod racer, a piece of Anakin's pod racer. Wow. Now it looks like it looks like a pod racer, and people yeah. online are saying that it is Anakin's, but that was that's the one thing that has not been confirmed yet. So I'm not gonna call it Anakin's pod, but if it is Anakin's pod racer, that's pretty cool. And again, it's yeah. not like oh, you know, everything is such a small world. No, Tatooine is a world where this kind of shit would happen. R5D4 would pop up because it's, it's a, there's three towns on this whole planet. Mm-hmm. You know, Jawa's scavenged, you know, they 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 find everything. That's the so key. The Jawas taking everything and moving shit around all over the place. Oh, you don't think they picked up all the dead pieces to those pods that crashed over the years? They took oh, everything. Everything. So again, it's not like it's making their world smaller. The Jawas do that stuff. The, Ra- the Tusken Raiders do that stuff. They take what they need and they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else did I write down here? Oh, I, I loved Cobb Vanth when those Raiders raided the town. And yeah. he escaped. He he stole the cylinder full of crystals, mm-hmm. and and that thing is called a Camtono, which is world famous. Yep, known as the, known as the ice cream maker uh-huh. from Empire Strikes Back. The guy who so everyone's like, "Yo, the Empire is invading your city," and this guy grabs an ice cream maker and runs away. Ah, uh-uh. we learned in season one that Beskar was kept in that again. Yeah. Awesome fan service. And, and in season two, these crystals are kept in there. So you keep all your valuables in one of these containers. So the idiot did not run out there with an ice cream maker and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> he went out there with something very, very valuable. Again, I love that. I love that, too. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's how he bought the Boba Fett armor off the Jawas. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he learned how to use it, though, that, that's something else I would like to have seen. Yeah, see, that that's where it, it's funny. Actually, Angie's the one who pointed it out while we're watching it. He's She's like, hold on a second. Because and we just did our season one rewatch last week, leading literally up to. Remember, I told you I watched the finale right before I watched this episode. Um, I was like, "Wait a second! How did he learn how?" Like, because when she gives him the jetpack or whatever, and in the finale of season one, she gives it to Mando. You know, oh, you know, you'll learn it. You have to take time to learn it in order to use it and stuff like that. You could even see Mando had trouble. Like, he wasn't flying very fluently in that. You know, when he's using it in the in the finale of season one. My guess is that he had time to learn it or something like that because he uses it pretty fluently in this episode. He rolled up into that bar, not afraid. And no. He shot a bunch of guys. So he must, I think he practiced. I think he learned how to use yeah. it. He probably didn't want to show another montage after the big, they knew they were going to have the big coming together montage with the Tuscans. Yeah, this isn't Rocky, this isn't Rocky Four. We only we only need a certain amount of montages. Yeah, we only need one montage with, with <laughs> one music soundtrack. We don't need to go a whole movie's worth of stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was pretty badass. So and I think it's hysterical how the helmet doesn't fit his head. Exactly. He has to wear it looks scarf so goofy. Like, it does yeah. look goofy. He has to wear the scarf to kind of carp his big giant neck because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit on his head that great. But still, we got to see the cool stuff. We got to see the thing pop down. We got to see yes. the rocket. We will see all that cool shit that Boba Fett has. Yeah, and even and even later on, I got more fan service. Mando tells him, "Look, I'll take care of this. You're out of here." And he hits the switch, and 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 takes off. What happened? Yep. That was in Return of the Jedi. Han Solo accidentally hit that switch, and Boba Fett took off, and that's how he ends up in the Sarlacc pit. Mm-hmm. Again, fantastic callbacks. I, I would. I'm going to kiss John Favreau if I ever meet him. Seriously, <laughs> I'm seriously going to kiss John Favreau because he's doing a, a remarkable job with this. Um, what else was there? Oh, the well, crate dragon. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, some are calling that uh shot that he takes with the rocket as a callback to Iron Man. The way yeah. he kind of like sets that thing, leans forward, and then fires it, and the way that whole thing maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It could have been a coincidence, but uh, well, it's Favreau, so it makes sense if it is exactly. We're both big MCU fans too, so we'll just say it is anyway. Yeah, that would, that's pretty awesome anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out this crate dragon lives in an empty Sarlacc pit. And I love the fact that he's saying, I've never heard of an empty Sarlacc pit. And he says, well, if it ate it, that's why it's empty. You're like, holy shit, the crate dragon ate a Sarlacc. Mm-hmm. And now he lives in his house. Now, maybe Boba, that's, maybe that's the one that Boba Fett killed, blew up in. Because they don't just have, Sarlaccs aren't just, again, this is, I'm going by what I know from back in the day. They're not just a mouth. 
they've got a whole long ass body under that sand mm-hmm. that they can keep swallowing and swallowing and swallowing. They don't get full. That's why they digest over many, many years to keep them safe. So they're not just a mouth. It literally, the bodies will extend for a mile, maybe. Well, is it the same one? We don't know. But I think the fact that a crane dragon ate a sarlacc and took over its house is pretty damn frightening. Yeah. So I like that. Again, I like that little small touches they had there. Uh, what else do we have? Well, I, I thought the in that battle, right? So the uh, the crane dragon goes ahead and, and spews his venom or acid. And it maybe reminds me of aliens a lot, to tell you the truth, when I saw that. And you see um, some of the, the Tuscan Raiders were you know, obviously affected on it. And I, I'm going to assume that they were dead immediately once they, he kind of spits that out on them. Right. But then later on when Mando, well, we're up to the part, right. Where Mando's going ahead and decides that his plan was to go in and take it in with him, take the, the explosion, the explosives in with him. He's not affected. And I actually did go ahead and decide to read up on it. And obviously the best car is what saved him. Apparently the best car doesn't can withstand acid. And like that, and withstand that kind of a damage. That's why you kind of just see it dripping off on him once he blows up the the crate dragon, and um, and also with these when we see the Tuscan Raiders once the uh, the crate dragon is dead, and they're kind of <laughs> and they're going ahead and um, and like chopping him up for for food, you know, like Mando takes a big block of meat, you know, with for him and I guess the child, and they're heading out with it too. Um, you also see the Tuscan Raiders with the um, with the, uh, the the crystal. Apparently, yeah. they they hold it up and they're all celebrating. My first thought was, uh, you know, Suka. I yeah, reminded me of that, like Suka, Suka. But yeah. apparently, I had I had taken a look and found out that a crate pearl is and I, and again, this is just articles written that crate pearls were used for like also like kyber crystals to build like lightsabers and things like that so apparently it's a big source of energy or or, or power or something like that it's from knights of the old republic the video game okay i don't know too much about so the people who and i never played the game because i don't i don't do computer games i, I yeah. like you know, i like console games not computers um but that was a big deal to them they all they all yes. flipped out when that pearl showed up <clears throat> i don't too much about the pearl i okay. thought it was a I was. I even. I first time I saw it, I said "Suka." The first thing I yelled. That's what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh no, that's not a Suka. What is that?" And I had to look it up too. They said it's a pearl, and it's a real big deal. And then yeah. I actually wrote a video game again. I don't know what the hell that thing is. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm not thinking that. I'm not suggesting that the Raiders are going to go start building lightsabers and shit like that. But apparently, it's a powerful source in the Star Wars universe for whatever the heck they're going to decide to do with it. So I can see why it's valuable. That dragon probably going to keep them in food for years. Yeah. Then again, they don't have refrigerators. I don't know how that works in the galaxy far, far away. Could be, could, could be like sushi. Does meat spoil in the galaxy? I don't know. I don't know how that works over there. I don't know. You've got blue milk, non-refrigerated meat. Whatever. <laughs> you never know. I mean, they took a big chunk. Mano took a big chunk. Yeah. That, I'm sure him and the child will have that on, on the Razor Crest for, for quite some time. Oh, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Um... So yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see Cobb Vant again because he, he, he. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not an Oliphant fan, but he was really good. Um, well, he also tells yeah. Mando, "I hope our paths cross again." Yeah, and you knew that. I don't. That's, yeah, that's just yeah. A, like, well, you at the end of the season, exactly. when you need my help or something. When you need my help, you're going to come get me. <laughs> well, I said that I think at the end of the episode, they've, everyone's happy and victorious. Mando's driving away back to his ship, and there you see him, the man himself. And it wasn't really confirmed until I went on IMDb, actually. I was like, let me find out. And it says Boba Fett. So it's got to be Boba Fett. Because it could have been yeah. it could have been Captain Rex. It could have been a clone because that guy played all the clones. Samira Morrison played yeah. every single clone in, in episode two and three. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could have been anybody. But in IMDb, it says it is, in fact, Boba Fett, who also probably is the guy who found the body from episode, season one. What was her name? The Fern? Um, whatever, her whatever her name was, yeah, the one from whatever it is, yeah, exactly. Agent May from 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 Shield. Yeah. So the, when I she's got to be played. There's no way that they got her just to be a one and done character there. So my guess is she's still on Tatooine. She's going to be involved in some point this season. You know, she's going to definitely play a bigger role there too. So that's another thread that's still open for a reason. 
I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll see her this season. But yeah, I texted you immediately after the episode. I'm like, I gotta confirm this with Tim. I'm like, that's Boba Fett, right? And then, you know, you were like, yeah, I checked it out on IMBD and everything like that. And it's you know, he, he doesn't look too thrilled either. So I was my questions are exactly like, how did he lose his armor exactly in this cannon? How are they going to say that that happened? Uh, does he have beef with Mandalorians, perhaps? You know, if he was not a Mandalorian himself, or maybe he was and has an issue with them that maybe they abandoned him or something like that, or he abandoned them or vice versa. Like, what is the deal? And yeah, it's true. Like, does Mando actually know of Boba Fett? Like, is he a known thing? Um, maybe as a bounty hunter. Yeah, exactly. So he was in the guild also. So there's a lot of ways that their paths have crossed or commonalities that they have. So my my guess is that he must have heard of him or known something about him in the past. But his reaction when he was told that there was a Mandalorian on Tatooine, him just kind of being like, you know, I, I've never heard of that and stuff like that. Either he was downplaying it or he legitimately has, has no idea. So. Well, if you think about the Star Wars galaxy, has very short memories. Yes, because a lot of them, they still don't know what Jedi are. A lot of them still like I don't know what Jedi. Are. What are those? Oh, are those like wizards. Now I understand in that time frame, there's really only been one Jedi, and that's Luke, and he's not yeah. really world famous as of. And again, we're going the Disney route. In the alternate universe, Luke was actually very famous, yeah. and which led to him being you know whatever. And this universe. The Disney universe, if you want to call it, he's not really famous. He's not well known. You just know they beat they beat the empire, and they're trying to establish a new republic. That's really the end of that. Um, so not understanding what Jedi are, not knowing who they are. Okay, I guess. But so it's kind of weird for the older people to be like something called Jedi or whatever they are. I don't know what they are, but yeah, you know. So how do you not know what they are? Well, maybe that ties into like what we saw in Episode Seven in Force Awakens when uh, Han is telling the uh, is telling Ray. Uh, about like, hey, you know, all the stuff you've heard, it's true, all of it. So maybe it's like a myth. Like no one's really confirmed about Jedi and stuff like that. I mean, the Force is something, right? Because, um, I'm sorry, what's the name in the beginning of this episode? It says, thank the Force. Like mm -hmm. when she sees the child again. So the Force is a known thing that people, maybe they just believe in it like, you know, a, a mythical thing, but no one's ever really confirmed that. And then I guess that's what ties in with the Jedi and everything. You know, maybe they're not really a confirmed thing that they're a myth. They're they're like what we hear about Batman being a myth at, at times. Like, you know, he's not really confirmed at times in the in the DC universe. Um, yeah, which is still weird. Uh, another another awesome thing I thought. Well, at one point we know we're not going to stray off into Batman now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, with Cobb Vanth saying that you know when he they show the celebration of the destruction of the Death Star, and he emphasizes, oh, the second one. You know, yeah. like it was kind of like I thought it was like a quick nod or a joke about like how there's always a Death Star in, in yeah. Star Wars. So yeah, that I, was I funny. thought that was a pretty great one too. Yeah, and then how how every how quick how quickly everything fell to shit after the yeah. after that happened. Like you said, it took what three minutes, and some mining guild comes in and starts shooting people up and taking over their town, and that's how a lot of stuff supposedly happened. Yeah. Not easy to, to, to knock off your government and build a new republic in a day or two. There's going to be a yeah. lot of crazy shit going on and a lot of hinky stuff. So Yeah, I think that's what we're going to see a lot during the whole run, however long the Mandalorian, the whole series goes on for, because this does take place. Uh, was it, if I'm correct, was it like five years after Jedi? After Return of Jedi? Yeah, yeah five years after Return of Jedi. Yeah, they're just getting their foothold in the galaxy. People are just yeah. starting to like, all right, you know, we'll 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 go with these new Republic people. Mm -hmm. You know, so hopefully that was acknowledged. Yeah, yeah, and that was acknowledged in that episode of season one, where they were like, "Oh shit, that this uh, you know this sensor is going to go off, and a new Republic is just going to send X-wing fighters and just blow this whole prison to Kingdom Come." You know, and they were petrified of that, and it's true they did. They did show up, and they were just like just destroyed everything. They were all messing around. It. Oh look, they're sending a gunship after us. Okay, let's yeah. shoot them back. They just shot the shit at him, yeah. Yeah. So Not, it's no messing around. So there is some kind of law in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. But with but with that comes your your underground, your underworld, yeah. which is where man lives, which is way more exciting. Yes. And seeing, you know. <laughs> um yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next episode, right? I can't wait till Friday. And uh I looked ahead and I saw that this is gonna be a Sasha Banks episode 
WWE superstar diva Sasha Banks will be in episode 10, chapter 10, excuse me, this Friday. So I'm curious to see who she is playing. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to be playing someone said maybe a Jedi or some kind. I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I think it's going to be another bounty hunter type under, underworld person. But okay. we'll see. What do I know? And I can't wait to yeah. see what's his name from the first episode come back. The big blue dude, Horatio Sands. Oh, yeah. What the hell was... Oh, man. They, I forgot his name too already. But they yeah. confirmed him. I'm not, that's not a spoiler. That's uh, that, was, that was in the trailer. If you pay attention to the trailer, he was on the mm-hmm. ship. So I can't wait to see why they got him back. Or how, yeah. he got out of the, how he got out of the carbonite and all that stuff. So that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. No, super uh, excited for moving forward, man. I mean, I, I you know... I can't wait. I, I loved every second of it. Watched it twice over the weekend. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see. So my, my guess, though, is that it's going to, the story is going to continue on Tatooine for, for this week's episode. And, you know, we will hopefully, they'll further the storyline with, with Boba Fett and not kind of like bench him for a couple episodes and then go back to that. So we got, we have a couple more. So we said we have Bo Katan coming, another mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Um, and Ahsoka Tano, supposedly. I mean, uh, be- I had, yeah, I, I had shared that uh, that story that was on our on our page that the I think it was the uh, Disney Plus India account or something like that supposedly had a tweet confirming it finally that Ahsoka Tano was going to be in the episode. It's going to be played by uh, Rosario Dawson, and then all of a sudden the tweet got deleted. Well, see that that makes sense then because <laughs> people heard when they first heard, you know him. He's gonna go looking for Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's like, "Oh, Luke! Luke's gonna appear. Luke can make Luke." No, Ahsoka's out there, and she's involved in the underworld and the underground. Mm-hmm. She's gonna she's gonna know more than Luke will, as far as you know. So I think that's that's the person they're gonna be looking for to get this dude back to his people. But I don't think he has any people left. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You know, and is every is every one of them force sensitive? We've only met three, and yeah. all, every every one of them has the force so far. My guess is, I mean, the child who is an infant essentially knows how to use the. I mean, he uses the force. He's done it a couple of times now. You know, magic hand thingy. You know that that uh, Creed went ahead and, and said, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, he knows they're born and know how to use it already. So I mean, my guess is that his kind, whatever we're going to find out the official name is, they're all force sensitive and they must simply know how to use it. So. And does he have a Y name? That's what I'm yeah. curious. You got Yoda, you got Yaddle. What will this sucker's name be? And are they going to say he's related Johan. to Yoda? <laughs> Johan. I don't know. But I'm very curious to see. I like the way he walks. <laughs> yeah, from, from, from what I did see also is that they, they did say that his, you know, the child storyline is going to be further, you know, this season too. That's supposed to be like a main a main point. So, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be Mando every episode just trying to say, help me find Mandalorians. I got to get get him back to his people, and then that's it. And then he runs into random adventures while trying to accomplish that one goal. Uh, you know, now you got the Boba Fett thing open. You got him trying to return the child to his people. Uh, you know. oh, I kind of I hope that's not the case. As much as I like the child, I hope he gets delivered and, and it kind of moves on yeah. eventually. To other things, I don't want the every. I don't want the whole series if it goes five seasons to be about the child. No, Actually, or, they, you know, if he disappeared and came back at the end, if for yeah. some reason helped the Mando out, that would be pretty cool. But I'm hoping he's not all about the series. Is you know about him getting back? That's kind of I don't know, kind of boring. I think right now it's the, right now it's great. Right now it's funny. Yeah. Or if the child decides to stay with him. That's true maybe, too. Maybe that happens. We, I mean, I just want to know what the heck the species is called. I have to know this. Like, I have to know more about it, and then he can, the child can decide to be his his sidekick, his his ward, you know, and all of that stuff. Like moving forward, he could be his Robin for all I care. And and, and will we'll, he have backward syntax? Yes. Or is that exactly. just a Yoda? Maybe Yoda's just an idiot. Yeah, maybe exactly. That. Maybe he speaks like Sean Connery. We don't know. Yes, rest, rest I, we don't know. We never know. You might have a, a Brit, a Scottish, Scottish royal accent for all we know. Yoda's like, <laughs> Why do you talk like that, Yoda? You, we're not. That's not how we talk. You don't know. 
You can go anywhere with this. That's why it makes it so great. Um, okay, I, we got ourselves a football game coming on in a few minutes. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I say we right. We know it's going to be a disaster probably, but still. Um, yeah. So Crazier week, things have happened. <laughs> that's true. Friday, we got Chapter 10. Uh, I guess we'll be back. We'll try Monday again and try Monday again. Mando Mondays, baby. Let, let, let's keep it going. Let, let's do the well, – we're the alternate pre-show to Monday Night Football, man. Let's let's like rock it. with it. Mando yeah. Mondays sound, sound fine to me. Um, yeah, if any baseball news pops up, we'll bring that too. Um, stay tuned for all the shows this week. I think we're doing Just Too Sweet tomorrow. We're not doing Giant Show Wednesday. We're going to do that Thursday. All the other good ones, go look them up. Go enjoy them. Share Pop Culture Pros. Follow us on every every uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, we need a lot more fans. And so a lot more shows are on the way, which are going to be great, and which I have to talk to you about. And yeah. we have to get Jason on here. And I want to get Grogan on here. Granny Talent. Granny's Peach Tea? We can do a Granny's Peach Tea thing, too. But I also want to get Grogan. We got to talk Grogan wow. and get his ass on here. To do some stuff, we need. We're, we're going to do a music show soon, and I want him involved. And uh, but and Jason too, you know, Jason will be a very welcome addition, especially if we do something like Granny's Peach Tea. It'll be hysterical. I think it'll be great. Well, we'll be, we're not going to dis- uh Yeah, we'll we'll discuss it at another time what Granny's Peach Tea is, but it's yeah, it we'll is a lot of fun. It's a lot we'll of leave fun. that as a spoiler. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> All right. Any final words before we head out? Uh. Not much, man. Listen, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. It's a little bit of a change of pace. I know it's not all baseball focused right now, but hey, dudes, you know, men, women, children, and everything. Listen, it's it's the off season, man. So we'll bring you guys Yankees hot stove stuff to start it off, or baseball hot stove. But you know, this is the way for now. We're we're gonna we're gonna be rocking with the Mandalorian, and and hope you guys you know you guys are all in on it too, man. It's gonna be fun. Yes, Mando Monday. I like the sound of that. All right, yeah. so Monday episode, chapter 10 is Friday. Check them out. Check all those shows out, and we will see you next week for Mando Monday. Peace out. Yep. Oh. What does the other hand look like? Oh, it's normal. It's not a force hand. So we know he's right. We know he's right-handed because that's the force hand. Yeah, he's always like that.